Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, our last conversation was about discernment. And we want to continue that conversation and continue into the richness that you were discussing. And I don't want to throw you off your track. So to allow you to continue, please let's start this new cast. Okay. And and let me just reiterate those uh, simple points from the last one. You know, when we're discerning God's will, when we're looking for that best path in our lives and the, the path to the greatest holiness, that's always the best path. What makes us more like God, more loving, is uh, we need to choose what is good. So exclude the evil choices, exclude the, the bad, the things that we know are wrong. And then when we're looking at multiple goods, the first thing is just to ask the Lord. And, you know, before St. Ignatius of Loyola ever lived, he, he lived in the uh, 16th, 17th century. Uh, of course, a lot of people made a lot of good decisions before that. So I'm going to give you a few more nuts and bolts from St. Ignatius. But I want to reiterate what I said. If you want to choose the best path, if you want to live a discerning life, just asking the question, bring it into your prayer. Speak to God about it from your heart. And he speaks to people, and we recognize that. We, there are so many people who, without any training, without listening to Father Boniface and St. Ignatius and all the other uh, people that are, that are trying to teach this, uh, a lot of people figure out a lot of things in, in, the right, you know, in the right way, just from their relationship with God. God wants to help us. So uh, I'm going to offer you a few, a few things, but I don't want anybody to come away with the idea like, oh gosh, I got to memorize all these rules and I got to figure out all this stuff and I got to you know, just talk to God about it. That's the, that's the main thing. And, and be more intentional about your decisions. And so that takes us a, a big portion of the way. When we talk to God about it, how do we recognize his voice? And, and part of that is just knowing God more as he's revealed himself to us. So he's revealed himself to us by coming. Jesus, the word made flesh, came to live among us. And there are many who knew him. And then they were guided by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to record that in sacred scripture. And then when we read scripture, we could interpret it in some different ways. And so God gave us a, what we call a living magisterium, a teaching body that can help us guide us toward an authentic interpretation of that scripture. And that's simply said, the church, the Pope and the bishops in particular, uh, guide us in understanding what, what is meant in sacred scripture. So the basic idea is if you go to church, you're going to get that interpretation. And then if you read the scripture, it's going to start popping out in three dimensions as you encounter Jesus, as you come to know him more deeply, as you you recognize who God is in the way that he loves us. And so we come to know him in that way. And the first way we can discern in prayer, what is God saying to me is, well, is it the kind of thing that Jesus would say? Did Jesus ever say to his apostles, you're, you're useless and worthless and you'll never amount to anything? <laughs> no, he never said that. And we can't even imagine him saying that. It's not how God speaks to us. It's not how Jesus speaks to us. So um, now, it is the kind of voice that we can hear inside of us, and that comes from a variety of things, from our own psychological woundedness. Maybe we had a father who said that to us, and that's so painful, and, and it, it 
hurts me even just to think about that, that uh, the way that we abuse can abuse authority. Maybe, maybe somebody had a priest say that to them. That hurts me even more deeply because priests should be the ones that, who are really faithful and can always speak and represent God faithfully to people. But it happens. There are, there are bad fathers and bad priests. And, and there are good fathers and good priests who have bad days. <laughs> but it's amazing sometimes how we can hear something once. You know, maybe a father said that to his little girl once because he was having a terrible day and she was doing something that irritated him. He said this hurtful thing and it stuck. Oh, that happens. And then she let that be repeated a thousand times. He said it once. He didn't even mean it when he said it but it stuck and it repeated a thousand times. That's the kind of thing that the enemy does. That's the enemy of our human nature, as St. Ignatius calls him. That's the devil. He has a way of, of taking those bad moments in our humanity and just grinding them in over and over and keeping us in bondage, hearing that stuff over and over to the point that we don't even try to make good decisions because we're so convinced that we're worthless and our life will never amount to anything. You know? so, so we want to be careful in prayer. Sometimes people avoid prayer because as soon as they stop speaking, as soon as they turn the noise off, as soon as they turn the music off or turn the television off, immediately what they hear is that angry voice. Right? That's terrible. That's oppressive. So we call that. And that's how how the enemy really tries to control us and keep us away from God. So we can use our, our minds and our knowledge of scripture and our understanding of who God is to start separating out what that stuff is that we're hearing inside of us and to say, that's not the way that God speaks. He doesn't speak like that angry voice. He doesn't speak like that, uh, that hateful voice that's putting me down. It's not how he speaks. And that's one of the things that St. Ignatius tells us in his, he, he made a, a list of 14 rules, but they really all hinge around a single uh, or a double concept of consolation and desolation. Spiritual consolation, spiritual desolation. And he describes consolation, spiritual consolation, as that experience of when God is acting on us, is speaking to us. Uh, he calls it the good spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, or sometimes angels are also good spirits, you know. And and when the good spirit is is pressing into our spirit, we feel that. We experience that in our bodies and in our minds. We have a we have an experience of God's grace at work in our life, the good spirit pressing into speaking to us. And we have an experience when the bad spirit when demons, when the, the enemy also presses into us and is speaking to us and is trying to influence us. We experience that in our bodies. And I could probably ask you, and you could guess what kinds of things happen in our bodies when the good spirit is working on us. What does it do? Well, it fills us with joy. It feels good, really good, when God is speaking to us. Other times it fills us with peace. It just, we experience uh, some quiet in our hearts and we have a sense of God's presence and we feel at peace. We have this sense like everything's okay in the world. It's going to be all right. 
I feel like I am where I'm supposed to be and the right thing is happening to me now. Peace. Sometimes we experience tears. We're so moved by God being close to us that it moves us to tears. Our heart is filled up and, and we have tears maybe because we realize how much God loves us. We think of Jesus dying on the cross for us or we think that, gosh, God would speak to me he notices me. He sees me. He understands me. It's so moving. And we feel tears coming, moving in our hearts. Other times, we could be moved to tears because we realize at the same time, gosh, I haven't lived up to this. I made some bad decisions in the past. I really turned my back on God. And I feel so sorry for that. Tears of contrition, of repentance. They're a sign of God working on us, not just trying to make us feel bad. You should feel bad for what you've done. Not like that, but gosh, I wish I had loved him more. I, I see now how much he loves me, and I love him so much, and I, oh, suddenly I remember, boy, those times when I just really turned in on myself, and I moved that, uh, for in sorrow for my sins. Other, another way that we experience God's presence and the movement of the Holy Spirit is through an increase in faith, hope, and love. Uh, for example, maybe you're at Mass or maybe you're in Eucharistic adoration and you suddenly have one of those moments of clarity like, oh my gosh, that's God. <laughs> the Eucharist is God. Wow. Now, we knew that in catechism, in second grade, we could say the Eucharist is the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. We could say that, but there's a different thing between just reciting something that we believe and like, whoa, I have those moments where it's three-dimensional, where it's reality in front of me. Or those moments of hope, you know, maybe in the, in the midst of a terrible circumstance that we, we think oh, everything's going wrong. I just got this diagnosis of cancer. You know, I'm, my life has suddenly made a radical shift. I don't know where to go. And we feel this surge of hope all of a sudden, like it's going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. God is with me. Huh, that's spiritual consolation. Uh, or likewise, a movement of love where we just love him so much and that emerges in, in our time of prayer. Uh, so, these are these are all different dimensions of spiritual consolation and and saint ignatius makes this simple connection he says the thoughts that come to us in those moments hold on to those thoughts because the thoughts that come to our mind at the same time that our body is moved in response to the presence of god in our lives those thoughts are going to be from from the lord uh, in other words the, the enemy is not going to to lie to us at the same time that God is speaking to us and we're experiencing that and that spiritual consolation. So we can trust those things that are coming in spiritual consolation. And I can say for myself, you know, when I was discerning my vocation, I didn't have any of these tools to work with. I didn't have the Father and Joe podcast to listen to. I didn't have ways of, of understanding my experience, but it was very much my experience as I look back. There was a time in prayer, I was in front of the Blessed Sacrament, my heart was really open, and I asked the Lord very clearly 
knowing that I had a desire that was already building for the priesthood, but I asked the Lord. I just simply said to him, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. Do you want, to be, do you want me to become a priest? And in that moment, my heart was so moved. I was filled with joy and faith, confidence. There was real peace that was there as uh, all of the other kind of voices became silent. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me in that moment, I could put words to it. Yes, I want you to become a priest. So that's, that's a great moment in prayer. That's the kind of voice that I want to hold on to. Um, was that single experience enough for me to make that discernment? Well, it was still fuzzy in its own ways. And there were still things that I had to work out. I couldn't literally enter seminary the next day. So just read the reality of life forced me to keep living that out and seeing how that unfolds. But that moment was a strong moment in my discernment, in my vocation, and one that I've never forgotten, obviously. And so uh, I really held on to that voice, that word. And it would have been hard if something else had happened. I would have had to understand that, that truth or what was spoken to me in that moment in, in a different way. Uh, and, you know, maybe the priesthood of the faithful or something, but I couldn't really ever let go of that, that word spoken to me. It needed to be part of whatever path eventually unfolded in my life. Now, in fact, that was priesthood uh, in the sacramental way. Uh, and I became a, uh, a priest in the Catholic church. So that, uh, those, those moments of spiritual consolation, those moments in prayer, we really want to pay attention to those. And, and God can really speak clearly to us. Uh, I could have doubted that. I could have dismissed that. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that was really God. You know? So we want to pay attention to those moments. And we want to be careful about the opposite. What's the opposite? Well, the enemy can also work on us. He can also tempt us and lie to us. And he can also lead us in false directions. And that comes to us in a way that drags me down. I'm really focused not on heavenly things, not on the presence of God. I'm focused on earthly things. I'm focused just on my own, my own comfort, maybe. I'm focused on my own sinful thoughts. I'm focused on my own pride or my own ego. I'm focused in on myself. The enemy has a way of dragging us down, and he becomes heavy. He weighs on us, and he makes us feel badly about ourselves and leads us to a kind of uh, depressed laziness, a, a heaviness that's uh, that I feel like God has abandoned me, that he's separated himself from me, that he's forgotten me or forsaken me. Um, I start to be uh, drawn in on, my, on myself and uh, that uh, heavy experience of spiritual desolation. That's not a good time to make decisions and that's not a good time to listen to the voices that are coming because they're voices like, you can't do anything. Your life doesn't matter. Uh, it's, you know, you might as well just throw your life away on useless things because it doesn't make a difference. God doesn't care about you and he doesn't want anything to do with you. Those kinds of hateful, they're really hateful voices that can come into us in those moments. And sometimes they piggyback off of real human experiences of human woundedness. You know, So we want to not listen. And it would have been very easy um, you know, in my own discernment after having heard that very... Uh, that strong experience of God's presence saying, I want you to become a priest, that getting dragged down to earthly things, like 
the priesthood's just a waste of time, you know, and I had people say that to me. Why are you going to waste your time on that? You're so gifted. You could do such useful things. That's just a waste of time. And in my darker moments, those voices sounded more compelling to me. And I think, yeah, you know, and when I, uh, there was a, a relationship that developed and um, that had a lot of beautiful qualities to it. And I, um, before I entered the, the monastery, but in those, those times I could really be dragged down and I could lose, I could lose the voice of God that had spoken to me and, and get dragged into, into darker things. So we want to, when, when we have clarity, when we have God's voice, we want to make decisions and we want to move forward. We want to set a path. And what's naturally going to happen is, uh, the Lord's going to allow that our freedom to be tested. And he does that by allowing the enemy also to have a say and to tempt us in different ways to, to try and pull us this way or that way. And that's where we're going to become experience that weighed down spiritual desolation. In those moments, the very simple advice of Ignatius is persevere. Keep doing what you did, what you heard in the last time of consolation. Keep the path that you had set out yesterday before the desolation set in. Don't let desolation determine your decisions. That's the, the simple summary of it. Make decisions in times of consolation when there's light and clarity. Don't make decisions. Don't change your decisions in times of desolation when there's heaviness and darkness and, and lack of clarity. So going off of what you said there, I kept having the, the same kind of thought going through there, which was something I had mentioned before, which is that in the short term tends to be where you get those negative thoughts about you know you're not getting immediately what you wanted it's not turning out the way you desired it's just in the short term an issue but as you said when you're dealing from a space of confidence and in light with god you're going normally towards better long-term decisions um, as love inevitably is and sitting back and thinking about that as you were saying it two thoughts came to mind is first of all that makes sense because god's playing for eternity there's nothing more long term than eternity so that that makes sense about why most of the decisions of what you're talking about were not going to lead to an immediate benefit today you know as you started with these perceived um, joys of the short term that you started the cast with well, there are some people who, who do just want to go out and do bingers and all that stuff, but the long-term ramifications are not good um, and, and mostly focusing upon what the long-term benefits are tend to outweigh and you can kind of use that as a way to say, well, is this truly going to be good or not looking upon the longer or the short term? And the other thought that I had is, as you were describing it was that as we go down these routes, you know, no stream is perfectly straight. Same with our lives. You know, there is no GPS route that is a perfect straight road. Even the air travel isn't perfectly straight. So as we go down the route of time and we look at things, they might seem radically different and able to change. And I know for myself, just noticing it because when you reread the 
the Bible, it's different at different points in your life. Just as you had mentioned before about the Eucharist, that, yeah, intellectually you knew what was going on when you were back in second and third grade, but to have a different experience bringing you back to the same truth when you're older and being that much more powerful as essentially a course correction within your own life as a form of discernment. Because for better or worse, we're people. We fall into patterns in many different ways. And part of what it can be is that negative voice you're saying keeping you in a bad spot. There's a lot of people inflicted by that disease um, and just don't know how to get out of it. And these types of course corrections, as you'd mentioned here, really do work in a lot of great ways. So I don't want to sidetrack you here or throw you off track, but those were the thoughts that had come to me while you were articulating your point there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, those are, uh, those are great uh, tools to uh, apply. And, and I, I always love the way that you, you process what we talk about. I think it's uh, so helpful. It helps me to hear, you know, what's, uh, what's landing in, uh, in, in one mind and heart at least. And uh, the, the short, the short term, long term, uh, I heard a psychologist define maturity as the capacity to delay gratification. I think it's an excellent, uh, an excellent description of, uh, of maturity, the capacity to delay gratification, the ability to wait for a long-term reward for a long-term benefit is, uh, is, is a part of maturity. And that would be, that would go together with virtue and being able to make good decisions, even when they're difficult, you know, the perfection of fortitude is martyrdom. <laughs> martyrdom is the ultimate maturity, we could say. It's the ultimate delay of gratification in the sense that we're not going to experience it in this life. So it really is casting our gratification, our reward beyond the veil of what is uh, imaginable, uh, which is heaven, it, namely. So being able to cast our gratification to never be rewarded for something that we've done in this life, that's the ultimate. And developing that kind of maturity, that kind of virtue is amazing. It's really what the saints do. And um, we don't, God is the one who uh, manages that process. We, we shouldn't therefore choose only the worst things and uh, never allow ourselves to receive any rewards in this life in order to sort of force this behavior or something. Um, God helps us grow in maturity, grow in virtue. And that has to do with, uh, you know, uh, delaying gratification as well. So that's, um, that's a great point. And uh, in terms of, uh, ugh, I just lost it. What was the, the second point that you were making there? Second point being, as we go through life, we can go down that GPS route and sometimes miss a turn and end up being somewhere further away and as we return to the truth, how much extra impactful it can be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Um, well, well said. Thanks for, for summarizing it like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we never need to be afraid, just like I was saying earlier of, you know, I made so many bad decisions, you know, now my life is uh, just lost forever. Because one thing that God does, unlike a GPS, you know, <laughs> the thing with the GPS, gosh, I remember I was driving back from, uh, I was a six hour drive and 
I was driving with somebody and I stopped paying attention to the GPS and I kept going. I missed this turn for like an hour and a half. And I had to go back an hour and a half to then make the turn. There wasn't a hypotenuse I could take to, to get back on track in a fast, oh, it was just sort of agony to actually backtrack for that long. Uh, it's, it's not, it's generally not like that in life, that when we head the wrong direction for a long period of time, yeah, it's sometimes there are, but, it, but it's usually, even if I went the wrong direction for 10 years or something, it's not like it's going to take me 10 years to get back on track, to get back to where I was. God has a way of transporting us. He kind of picks us up and takes us uh, quite a distance and, and can even transport us back. And in fact, we're making forward progress even as we're in the process of coming back. Um, I know people, I love pointing this out, you know, uh, people that have suffered from addictions and and when they finally, when they really get kind of locked into treatment programs, 12-step programs, they get the counseling they need and they go through the detox and recovery Gosh, the holiest people I know are in 12-step programs. I mean, it really does some beautiful things. And I often think, I don't think you would have gotten here if you hadn't, if you hadn't first gone down the path of addiction. Now, God doesn't ever want us to go down the path of addiction. That's not the point. But it's like the, the particular way that they've been formed, they may have had a, a very good and holy life in a totally different direction. But the level of self-awareness, the level of sensitivity and compassion, the the ways that they can minister to others, especially to addicts, because an addict can minister to an addict in a particular way. The, the way that their life unfolded, the path that was taken, really was a path that had to pass through addiction. And it changed them for the rest of their life, but it also opened up amazing possibilities that they wouldn't have come to otherwise. And so that, that's the way that God really works with our decisions. And like you said, it becomes part of our testimony and in some way becomes a more powerful testimony precisely because it went the wrong direction. St. Augustine would not be St. Augustine if he hadn't been such an arrogant jerk, if he hadn't developed these oratorical skills out of his own inflated pride, if he hadn't been a womanizer and, and even had a son from a a concubinal relationship that never turned into marriage. If he hadn't, you know, part of what makes St. Augustine St. Augustine was the whole path of, uh, of, of sin that he went down, which he regretted, which he confessed, which he suffered for. It also made him part of who he was. So again, he never would counsel you to take a path of sin, but having gone on a path of sin, we never need to despair. We should never despair. God is able to turn everything around and make everything incredibly beautiful if we if we let him into our life. If we start now, start today, turn away from sin, begin speaking to the Lord. He's already been there waiting for you. Today is the day. And it can be amazing how something that started off as so little as far as a sin can really weigh you down. I know that we've discussed in prior conversations about confession about the weight that can lift off you and that's really kind of uh, the calling action you're giving to us here this week um, you know identify what we're doing that's wrong you know if you can go to confession to lift it off and then from there choose a path of discernment to go towards holiness to go towards the path of love 
So we thank everyone out there for listening. We hope that you do implement this into your upcoming week here, and we'll be with you again next week.